Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. If you have lived in the northern suburbs of Perth, Western Australia, and if you're a Christian, it is very likely that you will know my next guest. For 33 years, he served as the principal of Emmanuel Christian College Primary School, which eventually became a high school as well. He served with love, with passion, and uh, thousands of children went through his uh, teaching and his leadership. And now even their children's children have also gone through it. We have an amazing privilege to have a Kingdom Stories from Down Under, Pedro Cruz. Welcome to Thank Kingdom you. Stories. My pleasure. Thank you. Mate, you, I mean, I, I, wrote that letter, I, I read that letter from, uh, from, from your church when you mm -hmm. left and I nearly cried, you know. It was so touching to see how, how much honor and respect, you know, the church and the people have shown. And from our personal experience with you, having you know three of my nieces who have come through mm -hmm. Emmanuel School and also now their children. Mm -hmm. This is just beautiful, man. You've built an amazing, amazing legacy. Mm -hmm. Did you have any idea when you began where this was going to go? No, I didn't. Because um, when I, I was appointed as principal, there were only 79 students. 79. 79, yeah. And then since then, the school has been growing. Yes. And I have been there serving the Lord all the time and trying to serve Him and to walk with Him and my brothers and sisters of the Growing Baptist Church. Yeah. yeah. Now, you finished university at the University of Western Australia, yeah. which is probably the most prestigious university here. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you would have had many choices where to go and teach. Mm -hmm. But you came to the KGB area. <laughs> uh, for those people who don't know, KGB stands for Kundula, Giroin and Balga. These are the three suburbs that had a lot of state housing. Mm -hmm. And naturally a lot of issues, you know, low-income people, a lot of single moms, also indigenous people, and a lot of migrants who came through. And uh, not the most attractive area to live in and also to work in. Mm -hmm. But you... What did you see? I felt the cold of the Lord eh, because I come from a family who, uh, when I was born, eh, my family was struggling because at the time it was after the Spanish Civil War. Yes. And I could see that people were struggling to have eh, the food on the plate. And I come from a very humble family. Eh, my mom and dad, they had 14 children. I am right in the middle, number seven. <laughs> I am number seven in ours, but there were no more after me. Okay. <laughs> Actually, mom had two miscarriages after me. Okay. Nine got together. And so I saw the need. I saw that people needed to be encouraged and to be uh, supported to, yeah. to move forward. And because of my background, I guess it has touched me. And I, when I see the need, I, I love to be there. And also being a Christian, uh, the Lord guided me to, to serve people, whatever, who, whoever they, they were. It didn't matter the, um, the status, the social yeah. status, where they were. 
and I love to be in Girawin, the Girawin Baptist Church. They have been amazing to yeah. me. They, they, they have been like a mother and a father, and they are very supportive. They have been very supportive for my time there. And then they called me to the minister of the school. As you already said, yes, I had another uh, job yes. in, in, the, in the state school. Mm-hmm. But uh, I chose to come to Girawin when I was called to do so because I felt that need. Uh, I said to myself, I love this. I love this place. Yeah. So I want to be part of God's kingdom. And you also moved in the area. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, in Marangaru, next to yeah, Girawin. Next yeah, next other. Yeah, well, which you became part of the fabric of that society, so you were closely connected to the people, the families as well. Correct. Yeah. And you interviewed every family who came to the school with their children, didn't you? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Personally. Personally, yeah, yeah. Wow. And I always remember that um, most of the time I used to say there are three things that uh, we do here. Number one is pastor okay. Yes. Number two is pastor okay. In number three is pastoral care <laughs> because and then I explained to them that what I meant was um, if we take care of your children if we take care of people they are free to learn yes but if we impose on them that they have to learn that doesn't matter what because you have to get to get a job or whatever by somehow you put some restrictions on them yeah but if you make sure that they know you care for them yeah. Then they become free to learn. Yes. And they can become uh, the potential. They could have the potential that God wants them to have. You saw beyond the the circumstances, beyond their situation, and you looked at the potential. You knew how education, Christian education, could help the children, yeah, Christian even edu- out of poverty. Correct. Yeah. Because Christian education is not for now it is for eternity yes so you teach children to acknowledge that there is a god that loves them yes it doesn't matter who they are yeah as long as they commit themselves to the father yeah there is a place called eternity yes and that this is the role of christian education wow i had an opportunity to to visit the school uh a year and a half ago and i was invited to speak to the year 11s i believe and uh, about their career, about their... Uh, so I had an hour, an hour session with them. It's very interesting because I was... Uh, they, they were very interactive. They, I asked questions, they spoke. And just because I have a bit of a psychological advantage understanding teens, I prompted the right questions to, to have the link with them. But at the end of the session, I preached the gospel for about seven or eight minutes, and I made an altar call. And three children from that class gave their life to the Lord there and they wept. They actually repented properly. And the whole class was just in awe. And I thought, credit to the people who have invested. I mean, I came and reaped. But somebody planted, somebody, you know, somebody prayed, somebody uh, watered, somebody persisted. They just came and came. And even the teacher, she was surprised that they were so open to to give their life to the Lord. And I said, this is because somebody has worked behind the scenes. This is the iceberg effect. You know, we see the tip of the iceberg here, but there's so much prayer and so much intercession and so much planting and sowing that's, that's been going on Correct. Yeah. Uh, in their life. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was beautiful, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't have that ability in a public school, but in a Christian school, you have the luxury to do that. Yeah. So you were born in... Uh, Canaria, Gran Canaria, yeah. in Spain. That's an island, is it? 
there are seven islands. Seven islands, yeah. Canary Islands, yeah. My mom and my dad, they came from one, but I was born in another one, in the okay. Grand Canarias, you already said that. Okay. <laughs> I can see you. They say that that place has the best weather anywhere in the world. Is it true? Um, well, during the year, it's between 15 to 25. Yeah. No less than 15, or yeah. sometimes a little bit more. Than so you can always be on vacation there. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't go wrong. No, exactly. Yeah. It's Wonderful. a good place. To I haven't been there, but I've heard great things about oh. it. So it's in the Atlantic Ocean. Correct, yeah. Nice. Only two hours from the mainland. From so uh, closer to Portugal? Yes, closer to Portugal than to Spain. And a bit south towards Africa. Correct, yeah. Nice. Yes. North West Africa. <laughs> North West of Africa, yeah. Morocco. Uh, correct, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, you grew up in a family of 14 children. Correct, yeah. Educated on the island. Um, Yes, high school, yeah, and primary school, yeah. And then you met your wife? Correct, and we came to Australia. <laughs> and she she was from, from the same place? Correct, yeah, from the Canary Islands, yeah. How did you meet her? In the church. And my brother, he was a Christian before me. So you, you were born in a Catholic family? Correct, yeah, very strong. And then your brother? One of my brother, a younger one, he went to the Christian church, Yes. And then he invited me to come, and I went. And How old were you? 16, 17? No, no, I was at the time, could be 21, 22. Already? Yeah, 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 yes. Okay. I think it was 21, 22, yeah. I could be wrong, but one yeah. year or two, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My brother was 18. So there was a Bible-believing Christian church yes, in town? Yes, evangelical okay. church, yeah. What we call here uh, Baptist Church. Okay. Yeah, but over there they have a different name. And was it a Spanish church or a South American church? No, it's Spanish. A Spanish. Church, yeah. Okay. It was founded by uh, um, an American um, person that he came to the island. Yeah. And he founded that church, and then many others came and joined the church. And so how quickly did you give yourself to the Lord? I mean, do you remember? Um, I know that it was good that I went to this place with my brother and then soon after I became asking questions, I was asking questions and then before I came to Australia, I think I was 20, uh, 25 years old Yes. and I said, no, I, I want to give my life to the Lord mm -hmm. so just before I came to Australia and I gave my life to the Lord You got baptized there? No, here, here Oh, in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah because I was on my way here. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I cannot miss this. I have. To, I have and to you see. met Raquel at. Uh, at the Canary Islands. Uh, and she was a Christian. Yes, yeah. She was seventeen. Yes. I was twenty-one, twenty-two. Yeah. <laughs> and. What happened? Oh, we just fell in love. No, we just fell in love. How yeah. did it happen? Did you know she was it? Uh, yes, yes, I, I knew. And she, she knew it, it was me too. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We came to Australia, we married here. No, hang on, hang on. How did you ask her to marry you? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember, but I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> it wasn't so formal back then, was it? No, I bought, I bought her a ring. Yes. She bought me a ring. Okay. So it was, I guess, in a mutual agreement. We knew that we were going to get married. Wonderful. It wasn't, I was not on my knees yeah, yeah. asking her, or she was not on her knees to it. But we, we knew. And where did you get married? In a church or in a. No, no. When I came here, we 
I came and a week after, soon, I got, I got married in the register. Oh, so you got married in Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you both came together? No, no, she came before me. She came in May, May, yes, and I came in November. So. And how did you migrate back then? Was it, a, was it easy to migrate to Australia? Oh. You needed to fill up only one paper, and okay. that's it. <laughs> All right, okay. A medical test, and yeah, you are good. And they, they were looking for young people, obviously, because they need a labor force. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And you came to Perth? Yeah. Why Perth? Because this is where she was. Okay. I, I could have gone to any part. So why did she come to Perth? Because in, they asked her father where he wanted to go. And her father had family, no family, friends here, okay. already from the church back home. Excellent. So he already had people here who knew him. So that's so why you, you chased her halfway around the world. Good man. Yes. <laughs> so you got here, you got married, yes. and then, then you went to university. Correct. Yeah. How was your English at the time? Oh, very poor. Non-existent. <laughs> no, non-existent. What did you study in, in Spain? In Spain? Um, you mean in terms of language? No, no, in terms of education, okay. before you came to Australia. No, I finished my high school. Baccalaureate? Yeah, and then that's it. Okay, and then I you came. worked? Yeah, yeah, I was working. At first I was working a chemist and then an insurance company. Okay. And Raquel was working as a nurse. So we didn't have to emigrate to Australia, but we wanted to, Yes. I guess, we didn't know, but we did. We did. Now we know why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you the came here. So what drew you to go to university? Um, Raquel, it was her initiative. She said, oh, if we have come all the way here, I think you, it is better for you to go to the university and I will support you. And she supported me. So I went to the university and UWA, I got two degrees. And then... So you studied, what did you study? Education? In, no, first I studied science in mm -hmm. the area of microbiologist. Okay. And then education. Wonderful. And then I went to uh, University of New England and did an administration. You flew? Master. You flew to England? No, 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 no. Uh, I oh, stayed was, here, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Long distance. Long distance then. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And you mm -hmm. did your master's? Yes. Why? In an in, in administration. <laughs> and you worked, uh, as soon as you finished your uh, degree, you worked in education? Yes. What school? First, it was only a few months, because and then I was called to Girrawin, uh, to Emmanuel, sorry, to the Girrawin Baptist Church, Emmanuel Christian Middle School. And I was working in Balcata, in senior high school, for a few months. Only. As a, in biology, teaching biology? Or? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, science. Science. Science, yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> mm. It's wonderful. And when you were invited at uh, Emmanuel, were you invited to be a principal or no, as a no. teacher? As a teacher, yeah. In a primary school? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what year did you teach? What grade? Um, at the time I was teaching year five. Okay. Year five, yeah. And then when did you uh, get promoted to... Two to years the, after. Two years after. Yeah, two years after. Um, the principal that was there at the time, Mr. Murray, he he was not well, so he has to withdraw from his principalship, and I was asked to take his position. And since then, 
33 years. Wow. Mm. There were 79 students uh, at the time, and it was it was a challenge, but I was teaching at the same time because of this, the number was too small. And you also became an elder in the church? Correct. And uh, you were leading the prayer group Correct. for 37 years? Um, not 33 years, but quite a, a big number of years. <laughs> Yes. You must be a man of prayer. I love to. I pray that that will be my legacy. Prayer, yeah. I guess your legacy is what you do now. Of course. Uh, whatever you do now, it will be your legacy. And I love to pray. I love to. I love to pray. That's why I became the prayer convener. Do you have a routine, like a daily routine of prayer? Um, well, I pray, now I am praying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, one gets used to that, and one pray every, in silent prayer, and in group prayer. I like to meet with people to pray because they are encouraged, and we are encouraged. Yes. As we pray for each other. Yeah. And by somehow there is something there that the Lord speaks to people. Yeah. And they are encouraged to, to pray, to get engaged with prayer. Yeah. Wonderful. Good. <laughs> Wonderful. Wow. And then uh, your boys came along. Correct. Yeah. Uh, after how many years of marriage? Um, my son Pedro, he was born the year after I, was, I got married. So you're naming Pedro like yourself? Yeah. yeah. He was my wife's uh, choice. Okay. <laughs> we call him Pedro. Pedro Jr. or Pedro? Pedro Josué, Pedro Joshua. Okay. One name of the Old Testament. Yeah. Our three children, they have the second name is a name from the Old Testament. Okay. Mm. So what are they called? So first one's Pedro Joshua. Pedro Joshua, yeah. William Samuel and Christopher Zachariah. Zachariah. Mm. Wonderful. Three boys. Three boys. Yeah, yeah. three men. Three men now, yeah. Mm. What's what's the age difference between them? Are they very close together? Pedro was eight years of age. When he had a second boy? Uh, correct. He, he, he said, Dad, I want to pray to have a, a brother. But the Lord gave him two brothers. Was it twins? No, no, no. Oh. One after the other. Okay, okay. So it was first William. Yes. He was born in 86 and Christopher in 88. Wow. So. And you've been married for 44 years now. Yeah, happily married. Same wife. And the same wife. All the, <laughs> all the Somebody once said, he said, uh, I'd like you to meet my my ex-girlfriend. Okay. Now she's my wife. Oh, <laughs> she was my girlfriend, but now she's my wife. Uh, 44 years, what a beautiful legacy. What a beautiful mm. legacy. What are some of the challenges that uh, life has thrown at you? Some of the challenges. Mm. I guess a um, real challenge yeah I think you have put it quite well no problems challenge yeah no real challenge I guess it's just to grow up a family and to make sure that I always uh, did it in a way that the Lord was pleased with what I was doing yes and just to see my children grow and to make sure, not, not to make sure, but to be blessed if they knew the Lord too, which they do. Yes. And, and we are very, very blessed with that. They, 
and challenge if you are asking me the question regarding my family challenge or well either family or ministry or okay um, and the ministry regarding the ministry I guess is to by somehow to seek the counseling of the Lord to make sure that a Christian school will remain Christian yeah because uh, it is easier to start a Christian school than to keep it Christian <laughs> if you know what I mean yes it's not because of people it is because community it is because of government pressure yes because uh, you need to be accountable to the government yes. but once you receive money from uh, the world you have to be accountable play by the rules a little exactly. bit exactly and that I guess it has been one of the greatest challenge to make sure that we never compromise. Yes. And I think I think we 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 did that. And I do remember a story when and by somehow we forgot or we didn't meet the date. Yes. And I said to the administration of the school, now what we are going to do, we are going to write today's date. He said, no, but we are not going to get the money. He said, no, 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 we write today's date. And that's it. And yeah. That, it was a big challenge. We don't backdate. Exactly. Uh, but they didn't mean, the, the administration of the school, they didn't, they didn't mean any... Wrong. Wrong. It's just yeah. the pressure that you have to pay the salaries and so on. And so we did that. And the following day, the... Someone from the government called me and said, we noticed that you wrote today's date. It's already overdue. But what, what we are going to do is to put a back date. So they did it, not me. Not you. <laughs> exactly. And we got the money. Yeah. So I guess... It was a test, maybe. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Maybe not so much for them, but for you. Exactly. For your integrity. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Once you do what, what is right, by somehow the Lord will, will do the, the rest. The right person at the other end, whatever. What have you felt over the years, the change uh, in education, but also when dealing with the parents? Um, I believe it's becoming more and more challenges, uh, challenging because of the entitlement attitude that parents have and the expectations they have from the school and from the principal. How has that evolved over the years? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I do remember, probably you do too, when you went home and you complained to your mom and dad, the <laughs> teacher, your mom and dad will, <laughs> will do the exactly the same. Yeah. During the years... I remember one of the kids asking mom, Mom, do you actually use the wooden spoon for cooking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They thought the wooden spoon was not used for cooking. They, yeah. it, had a different, <laughs> it had a different purpose. Exactly. So they were surprised that it was used for something else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and basically as the years has passed by and by somehow new generations they see their children from a different point of view and they will challenge the teachers and the principal like if we are on the wrong they don't, sometimes they don't realize that we are there to support them Yes, and you need to make sure that you walk the line that you you make sure that they know that you are there to help them, that you are not there to go against them. And I guess this, each generation is different. 
Yeah. We are baby boomers. We, we know the value of respecting teachers and principals. And it doesn't mean that sometimes teachers could be wrong. Of course. Or principal could be wrong or do the wrong thing. But what it means is, is the, the concept. Yeah. We are there. We are together. Nowadays, it could be a little bit different. Yeah. It could be a big, big challenge. What do you see the challenges? Of course, now you're not in that space, so you can speak as an observer from the outside. What do you see the greatest challenges in education at the moment in, in Christian schools? Okay. What are the, the, you know, the oppressing factors? Yeah. Um, I think I already said it before. Uh, what, I mean, what I mean is, it is easier to start a Christian school than to keep a Christian school Christian. Yeah. And it is not because Christian people want to do something wrong. It yeah. is because of the enormous pressure that they are. I remember that 30 years ago, the accountability that I have to do the government was minimal, was a few pages. Yes. But I guess now with technology, they demand more and more and more and more. And people have to justify everything that they do. And then buildings, uh, finance, all those things are taking a toll on yeah. people. Admin. Yeah, in administration. And also school boards, that they have to pay bills, the salaries. And yes. So it's not like in those days. So the big challenge to answer your question specifically is to make sure that in nowadays, Christian schools remain Christian. And that is a big challenge because by somehow the devil one knows how to is work in a subtle manner yeah. in good people. Yeah. And sometimes we need to remember that um, bad things happen when good people do nothing. That's right. Uh, On our watch. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes you need to have coverage and yeah. to be to have the conviction that the Lord is with you. And, yes. And and sometimes that it could it could not happen even if you know that the Lord is with you. Not because you you were a fake Christian or because you were not sincere. It is just because life is life. And That's right. you could be under a lot of pressure. Your family yes. you have to put the food on the table and so yeah. on. But in nowadays there are a lot of things that um, government influence that you have to teach this or yeah. you have to teach Oh, that. especially now with gender issues, the LGBT pressures and all, you know, the left-wing agenda that has been coming into schools. I suppose even the Christian schools, they're not spared. There's a lot of attack from you that space. It, yeah. You said you said it quite, quite well. I didn't hear you said it. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well, well said, yeah. So nowadays, um, Schools need to compromise. If they don't compromise, then funding could be taken away from mm. them, or they could be challenged. So it it is very difficult to keep a Christian school Christian in nowadays. It's and interesting. That's a big challenge. Uh, we before we um, list these premises as a church, um, I went to one of the cities here, one of the councils, and I asked to hire one of their halls on long term. So they had a vacant building and they were looking for tenants for long terms uh, and they needed somebody to renovate that and upkeep the premises. So we applied for to take over that tenancy 
And I asked the officer who was in charge of, of this project, and I said, how favorable is the council towards um, Christian organizations? And he said, Nathaniel, not favorable at all. I said, what do you mean? Normally, you know, they, they would want Christian organizations in the community. And they said, not anymore, Nathaniel. In fact, they will frown upon you. They won't. You know, the council is very secular. They have no sympathy for Christians and for their good that they do in society. So basically, your chances are very minimal. And we had no chance, no chance to gain. And I think what they've done is they gave it to somebody running yoga or something, you know, only two mornings a week or something, you know, extremely low, low community influence. Mm. Whereas we, we had youth programs, we had a lot of uh, embedded community programs to, to bless the community. But they didn't even look at that, they didn't even consider that because they, you know, they don't have those values anymore. Mm. I, think, I think they benefit from these values the Judeo-Christian upbringing and how society was built in Australia, but they don't realize that, you know, they, you know, bit by bit, they're diluting it and they're breaking away from those values, which is rather sad. It is, yeah. yeah. I can't identify with what you are saying. Yeah, that's true. Now, I think, what can parents do? What would you say to parents? How can they, you know, face these issues, especially the left-wing agenda? What, what can they do with their children? How can they teach them? How can they address this at home? Yeah. Um, I always encourage... Um, I had this, the same question a long time ago when I was uh, the principal. And I encourage you to think... It could sound a little bit... Um, I don't know. But I always told them, first thing you have to do is to pray. You have to pray. You have to pray. Because through prayer, by somehow the Lord will guide you. Yes. At the right time, He will guide you. You will know that, no, I cannot go there. Yes. But you have, because through prayer, you become humble. You know that you don't have the answers. Yes. You seek God's guidance. And when it happens, when it happens, you have to be strong. And when it does happen when there is a strong influence yes and in your family you say no i don't want that and i have my rights to sure but in doing so you need to be careful how you use words and because they could use any word that you use by calling you that you uh, you hate them yes or that you don't like them or that or any anything that will put you down yes if you don't agree with them it means that you hate them. Yes. So rather than to say, well, you have your right to, I respect your right. If you want that, that's fine. But I don't want that for my family. Yes. But you have to do that through the ministry of prayer. You have to, to pray. Because even sometimes you, don't, you have to say nothing. Yeah. The Lord will guide you. If you sure. Wanna, you by standing bold and saying, you know, this is what I believe. Yeah. That's it. That's the end of the matter. So it, it will be your, you will have to make choices if you don't have any choice. Sometimes you have to leave the place yeah. and to go to another place. And, but in nowadays, this, as you using your own words, left ideas or secular ideas, 
they are becoming too strong in, in our society. If you yeah. don't agree with that, you, there is something wrong with you. And we need to, to be smart. And to be smart, the only way you can do it is through the ministry of prayer. And seek the Lord's guidance in every situation. Yes. And sometimes people abuse you. You say, well, thank you for letting me know. And, and that's it. Don't, don't argue with them because yeah. they, they want to argue with they you. They want to fight. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And just be wise. Why is the serpents harmless as doves? Well said, as Peter said that. Yeah, I think that's very important. And but sometimes it's knowing what not to say, not just what to say, but knowing what not to say as well. Exactly. Yeah. There's wisdom in that. Exactly. Do you believe that uh, the parents should be more involved in the life of the school, like be on the board of the school if the school has a board, be on you know class reps or PNC involved, whatever opportunities there are, uh, the Christian parents should get involved and be very close. And I'm not just talking in Christian schools, but I'm talking in state schools as well. I think sometimes Christians don't get involved enough in the life of the school, in the life of the community. Mm. And they expect everything to be handed to them mm. without, you know, being there mm. for, for their children and their community. Yeah, I think you have said it quite well. And you have used the wider spectrum. My son, the, the, the older one, He's a Christian. He, yes. He, he wants to be involved in the local government school board. Yes. And I said to him, oh, good on you. That, Absolutely. And this answers your, your question. Uh, Christians, and they should be involved not only in Christian schools, but also in government schools and yes. in the boards because they could um, input Yes. Information there that maybe they don't know because they, they never heard about yes. the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, yes, I totally agree. Christian, they should be involved in Christian education, wherever they are. Oh, no, non-Christian education, yeah. government schools or, or non-government schools. I don't think we should shun away. In the, in, on the contrary, we should be in the mix of it all, even if it hurts us, even if it brings a bit of persecution. You know, we, we have to be a voice. Salt of the earth. We have to bring taste, yeah. We've got to be the salt of the, of the earth. Exactly. But in the midst of all that, I think we need, or, always need to remember, like Micah, yes. Micah 6 8, and he, he could ask you, Nathanael or Pedro, what is it that the Lord requires of you? And then he answers, the yeah. Lord answers to you, and he says, Oh, Nathanael, I want you to show grace. Yeah. I want you to act justly. Nathanael, I want you to walk, walk humbly humbly. with me. Yeah. And sometimes those three, um, you will be the sword of the earth. Yes. And by doing those things, you don't have to impress anyone. Just no. being humble. That's what you what carry, what you carry is greater than what you say because you carry the presence of God. So in that meeting, in that boardroom, you carry... You know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the grace, the love. You carry heaven. You know, what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come as it is in heaven on earth. Well, we, we take the kingdom into every realm, into every conversation, into every atmosphere. We change the atmosphere just by being present there. Exactly, exactly. And 
you consider you what I'm going to say now it, it will apply to you it will apply to me it will apply to everyone if yeah. someone says it doesn't well I will question that when someone hurts us we want to hurt back okay that's the first instinct yes indeed indeed and then there is this if you if you are a Christian then there is the call of the Holy Spirit that reminds you, hey, uh, Pedro, hey, Nathanael, um, remember the teaching of Jesus. And then you go to the teaching of Jesus. You Sometimes you are here in the secular mind, yes, which is okay, but it is not okay when you are too long there. So you go to the teaching of Jesus. Yeah. And then once you know that he wants you to show mercy, to act justly, to walk humbly before Him. Once you know that, you will become untouchable. Yeah. You will become untouchable. There is no one that can touch you. Because there is where you have the Holy Spirit. There is where you you have this peace. Yes. You, by somehow comes to you, and you know you are not going to be touched. I need to explain this. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be hurt. Yes. But you're not going to be touched because you are already in eternity. Yeah. You have already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are on the other on the other side that you want um, you don't want to give away your pride, you don't want to give away your sin. Uh, they are yours. Your rights. Your rights, exactly, which is it's okay to have rights. And that's why sometimes we become angry because yeah. we have rights. But if you are there you will see that your blood pressure will go up. Mm. Your um, your heart rate will go up. Yes, your, your blood will boil. That you are in a bad place there. Yeah, you're sweating. You're stressed. Exactly. But once you accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then by somehow there is peace in you. Yeah. So we need to hang on to that. There is where no one can touch you. Yeah. As I already said, physically you can be hurt or. You Even emotionally. Exactly. But but no, that's not a state, a continuous state. It's an instance. Okay. Yeah. Here is the theology and the psychologist. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm just, uh, just processing yeah, with yeah, you. No, no, no. no, no. Which, which is good, what, what you have said, because they are yeah. connected. Yeah. If you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, suffering is part of life. Part of your Christian walk will involve suffering. Mm. Jesus suffered. He didn't shun that away from us. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, you will have trouble. Suffering is real. It will be part of life. I'm not talking about pain and illness. I'm talking about suffering because of the gospel. And that will be real. Exactly. And if we're not suffering, that means we're not following the Lord Jesus. Exactly. You know, if, if it's too cruisy. But in the midst of that pain and in the midst of that attack and in the midst of that suffering... We can be calm. You have peace. Yeah. Because the Lord said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you, I give you my peace. Exactly. As somebody once said, he said, the only way you can calm the storm is if you're able to sleep in the storm. You know, Jesus was able to calm the storm because he was asleep in the storm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he had the peace of God. He was the peace of God. So I think the key, what you're saying here, and I'm learning this from you, 
is to have this ability to remain calm, composed and full of peace in the identity that Christ is in the middle of the storm and not to lose a night's sleep because you have the power to calm that storm if you can sleep through that storm, in exactly. a sense, if you have the peace. Yeah, you need to remember who is in the boat with you. That's right. I think that's beautiful. That's what you, what you are saying to yeah. me. Pedro, you need to remember who is in the boat with you. It doesn't matter. The rest, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm. The storm doesn't matter. You know. Mm. The depth of the water doesn't matter. Yeah. If you walk on water. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you walk over, you know, three feet of water or, mm. you know, an abyss of an ocean. Correct. Yeah. When What's you're above it, you are above it. It's a heavenly perspective. Mm. But that means we have to live from a heavenly realm. Mm not from an earthly realm, because you can't do that. Exactly. With, with, you know, with the way we are naturally wired. You know, you can't do that. Even if you try, you can't. You have to be lifted to that place. You have to, it's, it's a change of nature. It's a supernatural nature. Because, humanly speaking, you can't do that. So you, you must transition into something. You must renew your mind, your perspective, you, you've got to come to a higher understanding. Correct. Yeah. And you need to also sometimes to remember Jeremiah 29, 11, where the Lord says, um, Hey, Nathanael, hey, Pedro, I have plans for you. Yeah. Plans not to harm you. That's right. But plans to give you a future. That's right. And we need to remember that, that the Lord has plans for us. Mm. And we need to focus on that and to walk with him and with each other. You keep coming back to this humble, 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 humble. Mm. That's the key. To be humble means that... Why is it so hard for us to be humble? Because we think we are self-sufficient. That we don't need anyone to tell us what to do. That we are What's your definition of being humble? Oh, to acknowledge that there is a creator and he loves you, and you are accountable to him, and you are thankful to him, and you are grateful to him. To acknowledge him, okay, I didn't see this coming, but I don't know why it happened, but I live in your hands. I am not going to resist that. I am not going to, because the Lord tells us, do not resist an evil person, or do not resist the evil one. Just let it go, and whatever happened, it, it, it is a step of faith, mm. you know what I'm trying to say. To be humble is this a step of faith. I it's never... not passive. No, no, no. It's no. active. Yes, exactly. That's sometimes people think that to be humble is weak, but actually it's not. Because if you are not humble, you will, you will come to this side, the, uh, to this place, which is a bad place, because you make your pride bigger than you are. Yes. That is why we are we are fallen race yeah. because pride. Yeah. So here is where you are in a dark place. No, I shouldn't say a dark place. I should say a bad place. Yeah. But if you are humble, you are in a good place. Meaning, mm -hmm. by somehow you have peace. You. It doesn't mean that you. You are going to allow anyone to walk over over you. Jesus was was not saying that. Yeah. And in Matthew six, 
38 to 48 I, from my memory I think yeah, no Matthew 5 Matthew 5 and because Matthew 6 is the Lord's prayer <laughs> before that so Jesus is telling us um, listen Pedro listen Nathanael acknowledge me if you acknowledge me and you walk humbly with me this is going to cost you something yeah it's going to cost your sin Yeah. your pride, your arrogance. So are you willing to put that away? Many will say yes, many will say no, no. I have to win. I yeah. have to crush that person because I have rights. The Lord, he knows that. So the best thing to do is, if you choose to live in this place, yeah. bad place, it is up to you. You are going to keep the, your arrogance, you are going to keep your pride, your sins. But if you put that away, pride which was the first thing yeah then you are going to live in at peace with me with joy it doesn't mean you're not going to be hurt yes you're going to be hurt but you still live with joy with peace with me I think my definition of to be humble has, has become too long no no, no that's fine no because it's uh, it's very powerful you know mm. Humble is not a trait that is attractive to most people. In a Christian circle, it is, in a sense, as a, a theological concept, but not in a practical sense. Most people would not know how to be humble. And with, with being humble, you can't actually say, I am humble. It's a trait that only someone else can identify in you. Exactly. The moment you identify it in yourself, you're no longer humble. Exactly. <laughs> so, well said. You, you know, it's it's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody once said, uh, to be humble is not to resist God. Mm. In a simple definition. And that really stayed with me because I often ask myself, when God is doing something in me that is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I'm asking myself, God, am I resisting you right now? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, am I opposing you? Are you doing something? What are you up to? I know you're up to something, but am I running against you? Or um, am I allowing you to, you know, chop away what needs to be chopped away and to do away with what needs to be done away? The fact that you answer, sorry, the fact that you ask that question to God, it means that you're on the right way. Well, yeah, it takes it takes a humbling nature to even ask that question. But we resist. You know what's sad with, with this? And this happens to me. It might not happen to you anymore. But we know. We, we learn the lesson. We go the process. But then somehow, a few weeks later, a few months later, it's like we never learned that process. Or we never learned that lesson. It comes back. That test comes back again. Exactly. Habit. <laughs> The old one. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like it's spring-loaded, you know, yeah. it just comes back, you know. It's not easy to be a Christian. It's very hard to be a Christian. But because you have to to remove from you sin, pride, and they are very dear to you and to me. They, they yeah. are very dear to us. Uh, we are proud people. Yeah. And we, we feel that we have rights. And therefore, to be a Christian, you have to, uh, the Lord said that, that it's not going to be an easy road no. if you choose to be a Christian. But once you are a Christian, there is a joy that overcomes all that. If you That's know right. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So you cannot walk one, yeah, sometimes I'll be a Christian, sometimes I will not. 
because you're never a Christian. If, exactly. you, if you think in that way, you have no, to... No, that's why I think, you know, we can't separate Monday to Saturday and then think differently of Sunday. That's why I don't even believe in, in uh, the sacred and secular division. I believe everything is sacred because Jesus will bring everything back to God. Nothing in this world that he created will be left to the devil. The devil gets nothing. Hmm. At the end of the day, he gets zilch, absolutely zero, nothing, nothing, Correct. nothing, nothing. Correct. So that means nothing is secular. Mm-hmm. It is under the wrong stewardship because of the ruler of this world is here, the devil, but it doesn't belong to him. He stole it. He's, you know, he's playing. He can't create anything. Hmm. So nothing is secular, really. Exactly. Everything is holy. When it rains, it rains over. Yeah. Everyone. The fact that somebody doesn't acknowledge it, that's their problem, really. But it's still, he is Lord over everything. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so I think when we come to that light, we know we're on the winning side. But yet we have to work it out every day. We got to work that win every day. We got to play the game. We know we win, but we still got to play the game mm. with winning. You got to play the game and win it, even though you know you will win. But it's not won until you play it and win it. Do you know what I mean? It's like a football game. You know the score. You know that you will win in the end. Yet you have to go. You will be fouled. You you know you'll sweat. You will have to go the process, even though that you know that you will win, you still have to play the game. I guess what you are saying, if I may use other words, because I am not quite sure what you are saying to me, in the sense that, okay, what I will, I will interpret the way you are telling me is that you are saying to me, the fruit of the Spirit is what you need to do. You, you need to, to respond to the fruit of the Spirit. Because once you become a Christian, by somehow the Lord will give you the fruit of the Spirit and you respond to that. No, I think the Lord gives you the ability to produce fruit. The fruit is the result, is the byproduct. Exactly. But you have to allow. Yeah. You cannot reject that. Yeah. If you know what I'm trying to say, if you you know the fruit of the Spirit, but if you don't use them, yeah. then what is the point? That's right. To know. Well, the gifting is there. Exactly. And they come from the mercies of God. But that, that you need to produce that. In fact, the Holy Spirit, the Lord has to produce that in you. You know, you are the tree. And basically, if you don't allow the, the life of God to come through you, the fruit will never come in there because it can't produce on its own. Mm. But then, you know, it needs a tree mm. to produce the fruit. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, yeah, it's powerful. <laughs> Great. Coming back to legacy, what would you like to be known by? Um, what would you like to, to know that you've shifted in, in this world, in this patch of life that Pedro Cruz was gifted from God to, to live in? That is, uh, if I may say, a very difficult question what I mean is it's a difficult answer <laughs> to that question that's what I really mean yes and I guess and it doesn't matter what I think I, I would like to be known because at the end of the day this is what people will think sure uh, but because I have been involved with Christian education and 
for so many years and I would like to at least to think that people would think that I have done my best as uh, Philippians 1 6 uh, reminds us uh, be faithful until he calls you yeah and at least uh, that people will think that I have done my best to serve the Lord. Now, this is what I think, but yes. I don't know what they are going to think. And why do I think this? Oh, because uh, during my Christian life, I have been praying, yes. involved in the ministry of prayer. I have been involved with a Christian school. Yes. I have been involved in a, in, in a, in a church, in the Guerrero Baptist Church. Yes. So... I have been involved with people, supporting yes. people, and I would like to think that people will think that my legacy is I have been faithful to the yeah. Lord and to them. Whether they think that, I don't know, but that's what I, I think. Yeah. I am trying to answer your question because no, no, it's a fine. very difficult answer. Yeah. It's not what I would like, yeah. it's what I think I have done. Yes. If you know what I'm trying to say. That does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously being faithful to the call of God on your life and also to the people that the Lord uh, gave you the opportunity to lead, the privilege to lead, because I think that's a privilege from the Lord mm -hmm. and the teachers and the parents, because the ripple effect, I mean, there's no greater calling than to teach children mm. oh, because yeah. you're shaping the future, you're shaping society. Mm. You know, I think it's a massive, massive call of God. And I would never, you know, take it lightly. I think it's a massive opportunity, a massive responsibility. Mm -hmm. You've you got to understand that Perth is a different place because of those children who came through your education, through your school. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, the families are blessed and their children are blessed and their children, children. And so for generations, the ripple effect will long outlive us. So your faithfulness in this patch of history is what God blesses. Mm -hmm. God blesses faithfulness. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, that's what he's going to say. Mm. Well done, good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. So being faithful is what, what should be our desire. It mm. should be the legacy that we should build for generations to come. Imagine if you could just teach the kids just that, to be faithful. To God, I mean, that, everything is summed in there, you know, it's mm. packed in there. Mm. And what a privilege to be able to do that as, as a living testimony and also as a uttered testimony. Mm. We need to remember also Hebrews 6.10 as an encouragement. Uh, that the Lord says to Nathanael, listen Nathanael, God is not unjust. Yes. He will not forget the ministry and the love you have shown to his people. That's right. And you will continue to do so. And that is a source of encouragement to know that God is not unjust. He's not going to forget you. No, no. And he, he, he will encourage you to continue to serve him, whatever you do. Yeah. And being, uh, you put it quite well, being faithful. That's the key, being mm. faithful. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for being faithful. Oh. Your life uh, is a wonderful model, an example for us, and I'm sure for many people. Thank you. Well, friends, what an amazing testimony from Pedro Cruz, a teacher, a, you know, a pastoral care minister, 
and also a principal, but more so a husband and a father and a grandpa now mm. who loves the Lord and he wants to be known that he remained faithful until the last day of his life. Now, I pray that this is an encouragement for you. I'm sure you've got many excuses not to be faithful, but none of them are valid. If you humbly walk with the Lord, you will walk faithfully every day for your life, of your life and just serve Him. And uh, Pedro's encouragement tonight is to walk faithfully with the Lord every day. I really pray that this interview blesses you and his life testimony is a beautiful story to which you can uh, think of, reflect on, and carry on the good fight that the Lord has given you as well. So you finish well. If you love this content, please share it on the channel or on uh, the platform you're watching it or listening to this. So more and more people are encouraged and be built up. And we look forward to seeing you next week at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.